Hi, I'm Christopher Stewart. Welcome to the Chemists and Druggers podcast. In this sponsored edition, I'll be speaking to Graham Phillips, the Superintendent Pharmacist of Manor Pharmacy Group. We will be discussing vitamin D and its deficiency, guidelines produced by Public Health England, and the commercial benefit pharmacies can have by discussing vitamin D with their customers. So Graham, what is vitamin D and what is it used for? Vitamin D um, is very important in terms of bone health. What it does is it, re- it regulates minerals, particularly calcium and phosphorus, and their uptake into bone. And having the right levels of vitamin D is critical in terms of maintaining good bone health. Is there any specific conditions? The two conditions that we can be concerned with are rickets and osteomalacia. Rickets is in children, osteomalacia in adults. And this is where bone health starts to deteriorate as a result of poor levels of vitamin D. And in fact, it was something we never used to worry about, but there's increasingly, um, we're finding both rickets and osteomalacia are returning now. I think partly because we frightened people off, off from the sun, so no one goes out into the sun anymore. And bear in mind the only time that you can really manufacture a, a vitamin D is if exposure to the sun for a good length of time and only certain months of the year from roughly late March, early April to September. And partly, I think, because of the sedentary and inside lifestyles we all lead now. So people just don't go outside anymore. Kids are stuck to their um, video games or their computers. Um, Adults have a very sedentary inside lifestyle. And as a result of that and frightening people off from the midday sun, we're seeing levels of insufficiency and deficiency again. And in fact, rickets and osteomalacia are both on the increase. So we've established that vitamin D is, is, is linked to bone health. But how is it, other than exposure to the sun, how is it obtained? Is it through your diet? It's actually very difficult to get sufficient vitamin D through diet. There are ways of getting it through diet, things like oily fish, red meat, uh, liver, egg yolk. And some cereals are supplemented with vitamin D. But in most people, they only achieve about 10% of the necessary uh, vitamin D concentrations for, for natural health through their diet. So the obvious way to get it would then be through exposure to sunlight. Then there are two problems with that. The first problem is, particularly in the UK, you've got to get the right concentrations of the right wavelength of, of UVB. And that can be, only be achieved from the months of April to September. And it also requires sufficient time in the sun. So in the winter, pretty much everyone is going to be low in vitamin D. But even in the summer, because most people don't have sufficient sun exposure, um, a high percentage of the population still remains deficient. Now, we're particularly concerned with people um, of darker skins because obviously the, um, the UV rays are filtered out or people whose ethnic background means they tend to be covered up all the time. So even if they are having the sun exposure, it's not reaching the skin in sufficient quantities. So pretty much the entire UK population is deficient in vitamin D during the winter um, and actually about a third of us remain deficient all through the summer as well. So we've established that vitamin D deficiency is quite common, essentially, for the UK. How would someone present to the pharmacy with a vitamin D deficiency? The only real way to be certain of of deficiency is to do a a test, and you test the levels of um, a metabolite in the serum. But because the evidence suggests that pretty much the entire UK population is either deficient or insufficient, certainly in the winter months, most people don't believe in testing anymore because of the cost of testing, and it's generally a question of treating. You're very unlikely, unless someone's really low in levels, to actually see any symptoms. I mean, theoretically, you could get things like bone pain, 
and in kids the obvious deformities are uh, skeletal deformities, the thickening of the wrist and that kind of things and the bowing of the long bones in the legs. If you're obviously see at a circumstance like that you're really concerned about someone's general health you'd refer them to the GP. The truth is for most people you won't see obvious symptoms maybe they're just not feeling so great they're a bit tired and just by simply recommending an appropriate supplementation those symptoms will resolve and you know that you're improving their bone health prospects. One of the things which I've been confused upon is deficiency and insufficiency so I've had conversations with pharmacists and if they're confused, what is the patient to think? So how can we define these? It's actually rather a grey area. Insufficiency, got less than optimal amounts of vitamin D. Deficiency is the level below which there are clinical significant ev evidence of low levels, which would make you at risk of either osteomalacia or rickets. Now the technical definition is by measuring a metabolite of vitamin D in the serum. And if that metabolite is less than 25 nanomoles per litre, if we're going to be scientific about this, that is the level at which we can say there's frank deficiency rather than insufficiency. That's really quite rare. For 90% of the population at least, there's probably at the level of insufficiency. In other words, not f optimal levels, but not the levels where you're looking at osteomalacia or, or rickets. You won't actually generally see symptoms of that, but it's pretty much... Uh, particularly in winter months, you can guarantee that people's levels are suboptimal and an appropriate supplementation with uh, 400 international units will do the trick. Last year, Public Health England updated the recommendations for vitamin D supplementation. What did they say? All of this derives from um, a scientific advisory committee on nutrition who did a very complex uh, review of vitamin D and looked at levels um, of insufficiency, deficiency, concerns about ill health and also what are the benefits and side effects of supplementation. What they found essentially was that most of the UK population is, is a risk of suboptimal levels during the winter months and even during the summer months about a third of the population doesn't get sufficient levels of vitamin D and therefore the recommendation is pretty much to give an adequate supplement of all adults and toddlers. So what is that supplement? The supplement recommendation is quite interesting. Sacken have taken a very pragmatic view here and what they've said is rather than getting involved in the complexities of testing they've scientifically evaluated a dose that will uh, sort out appropriate levels for 97.5 percent of the UK population and that's 400 units a day and it can otherwise be described as 10 micrograms a day. Vitamin D is quite topical, it's been in the news but what does the evidence actually say? It's certainly the uh, supplement of the moment, isn't it? It's, in terms of our sales, it's, it's exceeding absolutely everything. And uh, people are talking about it for uh, cardiovascular disease, depression, cancer, multiple sclerosis and asthma. When the um, Scientific Advisory Committee looked at it, they didn't find sufficient evidence to recommend it for any of these things, which doesn't mean that there's no role. I suspect that the jury is out and I suspect as the science develops we will find a broader role for vitamin D. But as scientists we can only recommend it on the basis of the evidence and the evidence suggests vitamin D is absolutely invaluable for bone health and there's some evidence to say that it helps with muscle strength and with falls. Now you think how many elderly people have falls 
broken neck of femur and what that cost the NHS. So that alone, I think, is a pretty profound public health message that we need to give out. So with this new vitamin D guidance and OTC products available like Faultium, what opportunity does this make for the business aspect of community pharmacy? I'm a huge fan of Trust Me, I'm a Doctor. And they keep going into pharmacies and they keep um, examining supplements and where they're finding that supplements don't exactly do what it says on the tin. As a scientist and as a health professional, I want to recommend evidence-based products. Fultium falls into that category very much because we know that it's uh, the same QA as a pharmaceutical product. In fact, it's half the strength of the prescription strength and therefore we can recommend it with confidence. I'm also uh, pleased to see that whereas more and more products are going in GSL, to the gondola end in Sainsbury's or the local petrol station, we now have a supplement that's specifically only in pharmacies so we can recommend it with confidence and we know that if we do make a recommendation, customers, consumers will come back to us. We also believe that this kind of confident recommendation builds confidence with our consumers. So there's a good two-way street here. We can be assured that we're recommending an evidence-based supplement and our consumers can be sure that they're getting the appropriate professional advice, which is why they should keep coming back to pharmacy. So I see this um, as a good professional opportunity, a good public health opportunity, but I'm also in business and I see this as a very good financial opportunity. And in fact, we've only had the supplement in for a month or so, but we're already finding this is one of our star selling products. And I'm hoping very much the profession does get behind it. Here we have a company that's specifically, unlike many vitamin companies, this company is actually backing pharmacy, backing what's in effect a P medicine, although it's not technically a P medicine, it's distributed only through pharmacy. I hope that the profession will get behind it um, take all the, the learnings from it. There's an excellent uh, resource which is actually NPA accredited which the pharmacist and then the counter staff can read. If you want to find that all you need to do is click on the Fortium Daily D3 website and you'll find it from there. And then we can confidently recommend a product that we know is only in pharmacy and therefore there's a good professional and financial model. I do think it's really important when we're recommending products that counter staff in particular are trained and are confident in the products. Not everything can rely on the pharmacist. Fultium produce two products, their capsules and the drops. What makes their formulation different? There are different ways of formulating vitamin D. You can formulate it as a tablet, a powder, or you can formulate it in an oil base. The advantage of Fultium is that it's an oil-based preparation. We know that uh, vitamin D is lipid-soluble, and there is some evidence to suggest that the bioavailability of a supplement in an oil basis is higher. So what we can say is we're confident about not only the quantity because it's properly tested, but also we're confident about the bioavailability. And would you recommend Fultium to your customers? I'm happy recommending Fultium for a variety of reasons. One is because of the pharmacy-only um, distribution. Another is because we know that because it's, it's tested to pharmaceutical standards, we can be confident that it does do what it says on the tin. And thirdly, because we know that the formulation is an oil-based formulation, it's got higher bioavailability. So we've established that vitamin D, there's products out there which are suitable for patients. There's a need for patients, or for the public generally, to be on this within the UK. But what is the role of the pharmacist in actually spreading that message? I see community pharmacy not as a distributor of medicines, but as a public health network. And that means we have a much broader role, providing, as we say, packages of care rather than packets of tablets. There's a significant public health role here for broadcasting messages around the use of vitamin D, healthy sunlight, 
And while we're wrapping all of that up, let's talk about exercise and you know being out in the sun a bit. So to me, this is about embracing the public health role of community pharmacy and healthy living pharmacy. Why should we in the pharmacy think about providing more information to our patients about essentially OTC products and not focusing maybe straight in the dispensary all the time? I think as a profession, we've walked away from health and well-being and we've got ourselves very much down the route of illness and POM products. And we've handed whole marketplaces away to unqualified staff in health stores. And actually, where there's evidence that a supplementation can work, and I'm not talking about selling snake oil, we'd never want to do that, but where there are evidence-based supplements like in vitamin D, we should grab the opportunity, both for commercial reasons and for public health reasons. And I, I feel as a profession we've failed to do that in the past. And I hope people will think seriously about the opportunity around vitamin D and other areas of evidence-based supplementation and dietary advice and exercise that goes with it. The whole point about community pharmacy for me is the public health network that it represents. That was Graham Phillips discussing vitamin D supplementation and the Filtium range. For more information about Filtium products, visit the website at www.filtiumdailydfree.co.uk. Thanks for listening.